Welcome listeners to the BHL podcast series. I'm your host Scott Heidner and we are recording today in beautiful Washington, Kansas. We are at KSDS Assistance Dogs Inc., more commonly known as just KSDS, um, an incredible facility in central Kansas that trains service dogs uh, and sends them out across the country. Um, We are here today with Kelly Meyer, the CEO of KSDS, Adam Mayer, the Director of Marketing and Fundraising, and Bob Bob Barkowski, who is not only a member of the board of directors, but has been a puppy raiser for KSDS as well. Thank you all so much both for being on the podcast and also being such gracious hosts to have us come out here and do this today. Absolutely. Thank you. Uh, For listeners, I had the the benefit of uh, a welcome tour when I got here, and it is just amazing both functionally in terms of what takes place here and the the training it's incredible and also just the the cute factor is is off the chart oh my gosh what a what a bunch of heart tugging animals you got here anyway let's dive into it so this is i think one of kansas most unsung treasures ksds it's snuggled here in washington kansas a lot of kansans probably don't even know it's here and your tagline, I think, captures it so well. Changing lives, one dog at a time. Uh, let's dive right into what your dogs do in the lives of the people they serve and the different types of dogs you have. I got a tutorial today. There's guide dogs, service dogs, facility dogs, and they all serve a different section of the population, and they're taught different skills. Um Kelly, do you want to start in first on just walking us through the different types of dogs and the communities they serve? Absolutely. Uh, First, I'll go over our guide dogs. Our guide dogs are going to be those dogs that help individuals who might be hard of uh, seeing or might be blind. And so those guide dogs are going to help them navigate through the town. So if they're going up to a curb and they don't know there's a curb there, that dog will stop and say, hey, owner, there's a curb here. Um, I want you to be aware and I don't want you to trip. And so it's going to stop and notify that person. And then it's also going to look to see if there's any traffic around to see if it's safe to cross that street. So if I'm listening and I can't necessarily see the traffic and I don't think that there's something that's coming, I might step out and my dog might say, whoa, wait a minute. That's not necessarily where we need to go. So the dog is either going to kind of jump in front of me so that it blocks me from crossing the street or it'll back up or lay down. So anything to kind of distract me from going across the street so it's going to help protect in that regard Um, it might help you say you're going through walmart and there's a pole or an aisle that um, is blocked and so you're thinking you're going down it and it it will turn or pull away so that you don't hit that aisle or you don't hit a cart that's in the road if you're walking down the street it might see that there's a bike on the side of the road or in the sidewalk so it'll guide you around that bike so that you don't um, hit it or trip or fall Um, it also can really help if you're out in the neighborhood walking alone and all of a sudden you get lost and you don't know how to get home you can tell your guide dog go home and your guide dog will take you home it'll be able to find that route to get you to where you need to be. Uh, Our service dogs are a little different. They're going to be helping individuals who are a little bit uh, have hindering in mobility. So if they have a hard time picking something up or if they um, can't necessarily open a door or a refrigerator, they're going to be able to help you. So we train those dogs to um, retrieve things. So if you drop your phone, if you um, need to get cash, say you're out at Dollar General and you're 
$5 bill or your 20 falls on the ground, they're going to be able to pick that up and bring it to your lap for you. Um, they're also, if you have a hard time with balance, then they're going to be your brace and they can help you walk along the way so that you won't um, be wobbly as you're walking um, down the street. And then our last ones are our facility dogs. And those facility dogs are going to be those individuals you see more in a social setting. And so uh, typically we see them in schools a lot. And so they're going to be helping those students. Say you've worked with a school guidance counselor and they see a bunch of students and the student is just not opened up a lot. They bring a dog into the situation and that student opens up and they can help them um, work through what they're going through because of that dog. And it kind of opens the student up to those conversations more. Um, the ones we just recently placed, we have two that are going to a school, and then we also have one that's going to, to um, a counselor that works with addictions, and so helping those adults that are struggling with either a drug addiction or alcohol and being able to help them feel comfortable in those sessions and open up. And it, a dog, sometimes you don't have anything to look forward to when you're going to a session, and that dog can be that excitement. So we've had people say, oh, well, where's where's your service dog X? And they say, oh, well, he wasn't feeling great today. And he said, well, that was the only reason I came to this session today. So um, being able to help people in a wide variety, but those are the three kinds of dogs that we focus on. And, you know, just in the tour I got today, it's amazing. We could spend hours talking about all the specific tasks that they get trained to do, but the things you were showing me, um, you know, facility dogs, just a number of places that they're helpful. You mentioned, you know, the addiction facility earlier today. We talked about nursing homes. We talked about schools. Um, it's just endless the number of facilities and communities that benefit from it. Uh, the service dogs you talked about um, or earlier today on our tour, they can help take people's shoes off, their socks off, their jackets. I mean, they can flip light switches. It's and I'm sure, you know, in the 30-minute tour, we were just barely scratching the surface of all the things that they learn how to do. It's just incredible. Mm -hmm. um, there's just no no end to the difference in the quality of life that's got to add to people. Um, and one other thing that I read about on the website, tell me a little bit about the Prison Dogs Program. Absolutely. Uh, we have a partnership with the Topeka Correctional Facility, so TCF, and we send mostly our puppy raisers are going to have our dogs until they're 18 months. At 18 months, then they're going to come back for training or maybe they might need a little more. Um, depending on how many dogs we currently have in our facility, we're going to send some of those to TCF to help us. So some of the ladies that are there are going to help work with those dogs. They're specifically KSDS dogs. They're not intermingled with other kind of, of dogs that are there. And so they specifically train our dogs to help in whatever regard that is. So if the dog is tugging too much, then they can specifically um, every day work on making sure they slow down and making sure they're not tugging as hard as they were in the past. Or if it is having a hard time with um, obedience in terms of it's licking a lot or it's um, not wanting to retrieve as quickly or it gets a little distracted, they'll be able to work more one-on-one -on -one, um, dedicated time with that dog. And so we have the partnership with them and they take our dogs and train them for us as well. And then when they feel like they're in a good place, they come back to us and we do formal training with them. And then those last few months of formal training is when we're going to start looking at what student goes best with that dog to be able to place them. But I 
you know, looking at all of the different things that we do in our partnerships, TCF has been an amazing partner for us. We've been able to bring so many dogs back and do so many different things with them because we have that partnership. And mm-hmm. so we're able to provide um, more dogs into our facility because we have them. We're going to talk a little more in the podcast later about your website, which is really impressive. But one of the things I saw in there last night, you know, we just talked about the value to the dogs of that prison dogs program, but the value to the inmates. There are a couple of testimonials on there that just tug the heartstrings Mm -hmm. to hear the kind of impact the dogs had on them too. Scott, Mm -hmm. one of the things about the facility dogs that a lot of people don't realize, KSDS uh, now also trains uh, facility dogs for courtrooms. Oh, wow. And and those dogs are trained to uh, assist in the social uh, uh, services type uh, uh, situations that arise, domestic abuse, that type of thing. Mm -hmm. Not only in uh, when they're making the initial contact with the with the people that have been brought in or even they go to court with them and they're on the witness stand with them wow so i think we have two placed in kansas now one in the district court in wichita kansas and one with the national guard that travels all over the state Um, and that's an exciting new avenue for us that's incredible Mm -hmm. that is just awesome yeah it's just there's no end to the places that these dogs can make a positive impact Mm -hmm. yeah that is awesome well let's work backwards so i couldn't help myself i asked right out of the gate about the specific dogs and what they do in the communities they serve but let's walk backwards chronologically before they come here i mean there's a long list of hurdles for these dogs to clear you know there's the breeders and the foster homes and everything um i don't know who wants to tackle this question but tell me about the process right from the start um you know the screening that dogs go through before they're even allowed to be in the breeding pool and, and take us from there. Sure, I can I can tackle that question for you. So um, before a dog is even born for us at KSDS, the um, breeding dogs that we have will go through strenuous testing. So um, they'll go to K-State. We partner with K-State's veterinary clinics, um, and they'll get their hips checked, their eyes checked. Um, we'll test their mannerisms to make sure that they are um, not too reambunctious but also not too laid back so that they're right in that uh, sweet spot where we can have them um, really serve our um, students who receive the dogs for as long as possible Um, after those dogs are tested we'll use them as our breeding dogs and our breeding is done in a partnership with um, the american breeders corporation so we'll have some of our dogs from ksds as well as dogs from other similar facilities throughout the united states coming and um, be breeded together so those dogs will be bred. We'll have the puppies actually raised right here on KSDS's facilities for the first eight weeks. So, for instance, this summer we've already had a couple litters of puppies, um, just a few weeks old, that are hanging out with us right now. And once we get through those uh, first eight weeks with them, go through some of the testing with them, um, we will send them out to their puppy raisers. So their puppy raisers will have them from the point that they're about eight weeks old until they're about 18 to 24 months old, and they'll teach them some basic skills. So they'll teach them how to walk on a leash without uh, pulling at you. They'll teach you some um, lie down, sit, you know, basic skills like that. And then after that, they'll either come back to us at KSDS or to go to the uh, Topeka Correctional Facility where they'll get some more advanced training from our trainers. And then eventually they will come back to KSDS for their last bit of training before we have them meet with the students who will ultimately receive them. 
Yeah, it's a huge path before they even get here. Yeah. And I'm sure you have a lot of dogs, great dogs, that just don't meet all the metrics to get here at all. Well, Scott, mm-hmm. it's interesting you mentioned that because one of the programs that we haven't mentioned yet relative to our dogs is our career change program. That's for mm-hmm. the dog that doesn't make the program, doesn't qualify for medical reasons, uh, temperament, uh, those kinds of things. And, and those are identified. Those don't always come to the surface at eight weeks. They might come in when they come back in 18 weeks or, or 18 months, rather. But uh, there is a place for those dogs. And we, it's called a career change program. And uh, in our guide program, our uh, facility program, our service program, and our career change program, we actually have about a three-year waiting list for those dogs. Wow. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can imagine why a person wants a career change dog. They're yeah. great dogs. <laughs> yeah. They're young, but they're well-trained. Yeah. And people want those kind of dogs. <laughs> but again, uh, all of our dogs are free. We mm-hmm. don't charge for those dogs outside the registration free. So you can imagine uh, that's another plus to take one of our career change dogs. Yeah. And people love them. Well, and it's awesome just to know that for those dogs that for whatever one of the many reasons they might not be able to successfully get all the way through the program, very, very happy ending for those dogs too. Exactly. People lining up to take them. And the career change title, that's a career change for the dog, right? <laughs> exactly. Not the, yeah, that's exactly. awesome. Well, I think our listeners are going to want to know in this whole process, you know, a lot of it is technical or medical, you know, taking them to K-State, checking their hips, checking their eyes. Um, but part of it, you all told me on the tour today, was the socialization and checking their personality and their social skills, which is done in large part by people just coming in an hour a day or so and playing with the dogs. I think that's what our listeners are going to want to know more about. Tell me how that works. You literally just get some volunteers and people that are willing to take some data while they do it, and they get to come in here and play for an hour with these heartbreakingly (laughs) cute dogs. Well, one of the things that happens there, and it's so important, the socialization, and I think you heard Christy, our our tour guide, talk about how they start doing some of that at four weeks old. Mm -hmm. So... uh, there's several things they want to accomplish. They want them to pick them up, to love them up, to uh, play with them. Uh, they have toys. They have a baby swimming pool full of rubber balls, and they put them in there, and the dogs feel all that <laughs> things touching them, you know, and it, it helps socialize them. Yeah. But the other thing is they take baby bibs that a baby would wear to eat their meal, but they use that baby bib as a cape because these dogs will all wear capes when they're working. Uh-huh. And that gets them used to having something around their neck uh-huh. and on their back. And so when they come out to play, they'll put those baby bibs on them. And that starts, you know, getting those dogs used to something on their back, much like a horse would be trained putting a, just a blanket on them to start with. Yeah. Uh, but it's so important. If, you know, we're, we're short people. We need more people to contact the organization and, and uh, sign up as uh, socialization people for the puppies. Yeah, anybody that wouldn't look forward to that job needs a uh, needs their own <laughs> socialization adjustment. Uh, it it is yeah, it's got to be the greatest thing ever. I'm already having <laughs> visions of my retirement someday. Just yeah, coming out here and volunteering for that. And you know, one other technical note for listeners: um, there's just so much to learn here, and I had. 30 minutes and already learned uh, a mountain of stuff and I'm sure it's just the tip of the iceberg but terminology uh, you see a service dog or a working dog I just called it a harness and you know the different apparatus the guide dogs the service dogs the facility dogs they wear 
different types of apparatus. Sometimes it's a harness. Sometimes it's what you call a cape. I would not have known mm-hmm. what that meant before mm-hmm. today's tour. Uh, and just devastatingly cute again to think that the puppies wear a baby's bib on their back as their first <laughs> training towards having a cape. That you is know, awesome. Another important point where well, you mentioned that a guide dog and a service dog, once they're fully trained, have public as- access to businesses, mm-hmm. restaurants, you know, th- those kinds of things. But a facility dog does not. They wear a cape. It says facility dog. But, you know, they can go into the places they work, be it the courtroom, be it the school, be it the, you know, uh, psychologist's office or whatever. Mm-hmm. But they don't have the same opportunities uh, to go to places like a service dog or a guide dog would. So that's a distinction that people need to understand as well. And that's, I assume that's ADA, federal right. law, right. prescribes all that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, when you look at the dogs and what they're doing, the guide dog is helping the person around the facility that they're in or helping them to get to that restaurant or might help them, um, you know, navigate through those things. The service dog, if they dropped a fork on the ground or something, yeah, the the waiter might come over and help them. But as an individual, you want to be independent. And so if you have an animal that can help you, yeah, I could wait for my aide to come help me you know, put on if I needed something over my shirt to eat or something like that. But a dog could help me pull it off so I could just walk out of the restaurant. So it gives them a lot of independence. And so those dogs are working while they're there. Those facility dogs aren't necessarily working in the term of helping that individual with their independence when they're in those, if they're in a restaurant or something. So that's why they're not as welcome in compared to if they're at a school, they're interacting with students. If they're at that office, they're interacting with the clients. If they're a guide dog and service dog, they're technically working while they're still in that restaurant. And so hopefully that provides a little bit of clarification on why they would be the distinction. Well, let's switch gears a little bit. We've talked a lot about the training that goes into these dogs, the incredible timeline of the different steps they have to go through. But you also have to train the people that eventually adopt these dogs and have them as their dogs. Uh, And you guys do that here as well. Walk me through, give me at least a short version of when people come to pick up their dogs and the training you put on and how they're taught to utilize the skills appropriately and continue to the evolution of that dog's training after they leave here. Sure. So with the training of individuals, it's not as simple as some may think we just, you know, hand the dogs out, you come pick up your dog and you're here for 45 minutes and that's it. Um, We actually have for our service and guide dogs, the students come to our campus for two weeks and in that two weeks they're constantly bonding with the dog that will be um, going home with them at the end of the graduation and that bonding will take place from dawn till dusk and it starts with them feeding their dogs by hand each morning so rather than putting the food into a food bowl we actually give little baggies to all of our students who are receiving dogs um, and have them hand feed them just like you would an animal at a farm or you know anything of that nature after that they get into their training sessions so the trainings are just kind of the basic training sessions that the the dogs would go through even with our trainers on campus but rather than having the trainers lead it it's the recipient who is leading that training session so whether it be just walking down the street without the dog pulling on them or having the dog sit or lie down or get up onto the grooming table um, those are all things that will go through and teach the students what the commands that we've been using are so that the dogs don't get confused I know one of them that I use a lot with our dog at home is when I want him to lie down, I just say, 
lay down or something along those lines and we just say down so um that can be confusing for the dog especially mm -hmm. if you have a dog at home that say is jumping up on the table trying to steal some food and you just instinctively are like down down to our dogs here that would mean lie down not get off so um, that's just a great example of something that we teach in terms of terminology and then on top of that we have our students go into some of the local facilities so whether it be Casey's or Dollar General or Walmart down the street uh, our students go into those facilities to get more confident in having a dog with them as they're shopping through Walmart, for instance, or sitting at a restaurant so that it's not the first time that they're experiencing that when they're back at home and they don't have the trainers right by their side. As for our facility dogs, they do a lot of that same training as well. The only difference is they're here for about a week and because they don't have public access, mm -hmm. um, they don't do as much in public buildings. Yes, they'll go into the courtrooms or to the nursing homes, but those are areas where they'll have actual placements of facility dogs and where they can go in the future so because they're with our trainers they can do that here in washington it's and you know there's just no end it seems to the logistics of what you have to manage here so you train the dogs you offer training to the people <laughs> but there's even another logistical hurdle um, what most folks probably don't realize is you're not only placing dogs with families in a 20 mile radius that can come here and train and go home for the night you're not only placing them with families all over Kansas, you're placing them with families all over the country. So if you have somebody here for a week, a two-week course, this is somebody from Ohio, they've got to have a place to stay. Um, and so many of these folks do come with you know, visual impairment or disability. The normal lodging may not be able to accommodate them all of those, you know, create real issues for you here. And yet on the tour you took me on earlier, I got to see you've got accommodations for those folks. They're all ADA accessible. They're all prepared for the dogs. You've even got storm shelters mm -hmm. in them. Uh, so you can put the folks up right here on site. It's just, it's awesome. Uh, but I think something that most people wouldn't even think about. Well, we're mm -hmm. blessed, Scott. We're really blessed with the facilities we have from top mm -hmm. to bottom. And the duplex and the sixplex we have are, are state-of-the-art. Yeah. Uh, it, it's just a wonderful option we have for our uh, students that come in to train. But you mentioned the training for the student as well as the dogs, but we also have uh, yearly uh, retreats for puppy raisers mm -hmm. from all over the United States that come in and refresher courses. They can ask questions. You know, the, And sometimes we have puppy raisers come that aren't raising a puppy at that time. They just want to stay in tune and, and trained, if you will. We also offer a summer graduate retreat where graduates out in the real world can come back with their dog. They might be having a particular problem. You know, maybe he's not retrieving like or picking up like he should, dropping a TV remote or whatever, and he's not getting it for him. So the trainers specifically work on those uh, skills. So there's, it's ongoing, be it the dog, be it the, the person, the client, be it the puppy raiser, you know. Uh, it's pretty involved. Yeah, and it's just <laughs> magic that right here in Washington, Kansas, you've got all of those facilities and all those training opportunities right here on one campus. You know, not Johnson County, not Wichita, not Chicago, right here in Washington, you've got all of that, and that is just awesome. Well, the other side of that whole picture is we couldn't do it without the support of the business community here in Washington, Yeah. without the support of Marysville, Manhattan, Topeka, because... During those training sessions, they go. 
they take our vans and they take the client and the dog or the puppy raisers, whatever the training session is, and they go to different facilities. And they've embraced KSDS, and we're so thankful for that. That's yeah. a huge piece. Yeah. And a little later, I want to, Bob, I want to pick your brain a little more specifically on all kinds of sponsorships, but um, corporate sponsorships specifically, because I know we talked earlier about the just the massive impact they have. Before we move off of the facilities and the training and everything, um, let me ask you a couple questions. How many dogs um, would you say get placed in a typical year and, and how many have been placed over the life of the program? Do you know? Do you guys track those metrics? Yeah, we, well, our goal for this year is about 25 dogs that we place for this year. It kind of depends on how many puppies we've been able to have two years ago compared to um, what we have right now. How many are at Topeka that can come back? How many are ready? Because, you know, a dog might be 18 months old and we think should be ready to be in the program and maybe they're just not maturing as as fast. So um, this year our number would be about 25 for the year. Overall, we have placed 577 teams, wow. including, so some of those you think when we first started, we thought, well, we'll give the person the dog, but then a, a human's lifetime span is a lot longer than a dog. And so we might have to place another dog with that team. And so when that person is ready to have another dog, we want to also place them with someone else and so we call them successor teams and so we currently have 118 teams that are guide dogs and 28 of those are successor teams and we have 329 teams that are service dogs and 77 are successor and then we have 130 teams that are our facility dogs and we have nine of those that we've um, given out as successor teams too. That's fantastic. So, yes, so that we are very awesome. excited. We also have fun. I'm just going to plug it in there. Our, we're going to be 30 years old next year. Very and cool. So we're looking at ways that we can kind of play on that 30. And some of the things we've thrown out are, you know, having 30 donors in a month or being able to raise $30,000 or have 30 dogs placed in yeah. that year. So um, be on the lookout for how many dogs are being placed next year because our goals are, we have some high goals and we're hoping to reach them. It's actually a perfect segue. I was going to morph into the history of KSDS. I'm going to ask you one more question before we do. I think I've said, not intentionally, but I think I've just said it several times already, what a special place this is. It's unbelievable. But talk to me about how special it is in the sense of being unique. I mean, there is not a service dog training facility in every community by a long shot. How many of these are there in Kansas or nationwide? I mean, this is a very unique operation you guys have got here. We we have one in Kansas, and, and that is us. And we're sitting in it right <laughs> we now. We are sitting in it right now, yes. So it is, it is <laughs> very special in that regard, and knowing, um, we'll get into the history, obviously, but knowing how all of that started is pretty cool to see how far we've come and how we've grown and the lives that we can impact, because you had talked about earlier that we didn't have um, everybody just placed in Kansas, that we have people all over. And so we have puppy raisers from 16 states, and we have teams that are in 30 different states. And so being able to be, sometimes people are like, where the heck is Kansas? And it's in the middle of the country. Um, but right. being able to place those dogs all over is pretty special. So knowing that even though we're only the one facility in Kansas, that we've got a, a wider reach um, in that. Do we know how many there are in the country? Does anybody track that? I don't know the count, uh, total count. I would say that we're one of just a handful or less that has the facilities and the breeding program mm -hmm. uh, and everything we do. We're unique in that regard. Mm -hmm. We're also unique in that we, 
oftentimes get phone calls about seizure dogs, about diabetic alert dogs. Mm -hmm. We don't train those type of dogs, but we will refer that phone call to a school that does. We want to help the client mm -hmm. regardless of what it is. And I think that's, uh, that's unique also. Yeah. Uh, we're in a helping mode. Yeah. We, we oh. are, sorry to go. No, no, please go ahead, <laughs> uh, Kelly. We are part of it. We're accredited member through the Assistance Dogs International, so the ADI. Mm -hmm. And so there are other schools that we partner with. So there are several across the United States. I don't have an exact number, but we work with those other ones to figure out what are the best practices and what are you, like what kind of dogs do you all do? Because some people might just do guide dogs, some might do facilities, some might do um, a mixture of service and guide. And so we are we offer three. But when you look at all of the different programs that have the dogs that are being raised, there might be differences. So we have several people call saying, you know, do we do those things? And we can refer them to those other schools. And so we try to do those partnerships within the ADI. Yeah. Well, Scott, you heard on the tour. Uh, KSDS is unique in the sense that uh, several years ago, five or six years ago, one of our dogs was trained as a service dog, uh, primarily a brace dog, and then to help pick things up for the client, but also as a guide dog. And that mm -hmm. dog works in St. Louis with the, with the client, and uh, they ride public transportation every day. They work in a federal court building, uh, takes her to work, takes her home. She's scheduled to come out for graduate retreat this summer. That's and awesome. Kelly and Adam would get a chance to meet him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But it's, it's unique in that sense. Cross-training is not just for people. No. It's for dogs, right. too. Yeah, that is awesome. And I'm sure people, including myself, will probably never understand what a, a big deal it is to train a dog, you know, to have a guide dog or a service dog, let alone to get one that's cross-trained in both and could do all that together effectively. That's pretty awesome. You know, we've had some of our graduates tell us uh, that's really what the most important thing they've learned by working with the dog or received, the benefit they've received, is the fact that they feel like they're now part of society again. Mm -hmm. You know, the dog has got them back into the mainstream before they couldn't do the things they can do now. Yeah. And that's huge. Yeah. You know, essentially they have a new life. Changing lives one dog exactly at a time. Exactly right. <laughs> yeah. Exactly right. Well, give me the, the short version of the history of KSDS. You know, when did it start? And some of the, um, you know, you don't have to, don't feel like you need to go into every detail and transition, but some of the major milestones, benchmarks, when services grew, that kind of stuff. Well, Scott, interesting you asked that question. In 1987, this whole thing started as a 4-H project. And it was identified early on during that 4-H time that uh, there was no school like this, services like this, developed in the Midwestern part of the United States. And they wanted to develop this service into a, a, a business like KSDS, and they wanted to serve the Midwest part of the country. The 4-Hers were training dogs that were going to both coasts. So nothing was happening in the Midwest. And that was in 1987. Actually, KSDS was officially incorporated in January of 1990. We're a nonprofit, and we rely solely on uh, monthly donations as well as corporate sponsorships. And Adam will talk more about that later. But the reality of it is uh, we're in our 29th year. It's exciting. It's rewarding. And uh, it's a reason to get up every day no and doubt. see these dogs work. Uh, over that time, we've obviously developed our facility, and it's one of the state-of-the-art facilities for uh, service dog uh, institutions in the country. 
We've partnered with the uh, Topeka Correctional Facility like you've uh, already talked about. One of the interesting side notes in 1999, the movie More Than Puppy Love was made. Uh, some of the filming was actually done here at KSDS and around Washington. And in 2004, this film became the first Chicken Soup for the Soul movie. I'll be darned. <laughs> was the movie itself about the KSDS training? KSDS and the dogs. Oh, not just about the the discipline of training dogs, but specifically yeah. about KSDS. Well, and, and about, you know, they used our dogs in the uh -huh. facility and stuff, but it entitled more than puppy love. So it goes into a whole spectrum of things, but it was unique in the sense that it was a lot of it was filmed yeah. here and actually made into a movie for a chicken soup. Uh, I, I was used to be a huge reader of the chicken soup for the soul books. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't know they did movies actually, but I can't think of anything that'd be a better fit than the KSDS story. Right. But, one of the big certifications happened in 2003, and that's when we became, KSDS became certified by Assistance Dogs International, and that's huge. We go through a five-year cycle of recertification, and we're just going through that right now, uh, actually completing the cycle this year, so that's a big deal. Mm -hmm. uh, we're very proud of our, our staff. We have, uh, I think, seven full-time staff members and 15 total, so the rest of them are part-time. They're dedicated. They work long hours for very little pay, <laughs> but they're they're a great bunch and they know what they're doing. Yeah. They're very they're very professional and and uh, the dogs really respond to them. You know, as as we've said, the, the from the beginning of time with KSDS, we use Labradors, uh, yellow labs and black labs, and golden retrievers, and we for the most part try to breed our own dogs. That's been the history from the beginning, and we're very blessed with with that. We have a one of the trainers on staff is uh, fully certified as a dog breeder, if you will. And we, we both breed naturally as well as artificial insemination. So we're fortunate there. Yeah. You mentioned the staff. Um, I'm sure it's true in many walks of life, but it's absolutely true when it comes to anything regarding animal welfare. You know, I've been, I'm a past president of our local shelter back home, and I can't imagine any field where people staff give more for less than they deserve with more regularity than they do in the animal welfare field and it's a great segue uh, one of the next questions i was going to ask was I, I just can't imagine what it takes to run all this and put it together so give me a snapshot of you know you just talked about staffing levels uh, just the amount of supplies as we did the tour earlier i saw the amount of food you have to have on hand on any given day and that has to be replenished and the supplies and the medicine um, give me a snapshot of the resources it takes to run a place like this and then bob you talked earlier about the corporate sponsors adam i think you might fill us in a little more but uh that that funding has to come from somewhere how does it work put the package together for well, us one of the big items obviously if you have dogs you have to feed them <laughs> and uh hills uh science diet out of topeka is one of our major major corporate sponsors they've been with us from the get-go and the way that works is uh, we have to turn in an order for dog food and and understand that all dogs dogs don't eat the same thing they're on special diets some of them so they, they supply that. But the big shipment comes right here to KSDS, and they use that food here at the facility. Now, when a dog 
is assigned to a puppy raiser, and the puppy raiser takes that dog home from eight weeks till two years, we'll say, uh, Hills steps up to the plate there as well. Every month, the dog food that's assigned to that dog is drop shipped right to the door of the puppy raiser. Wow. And Hills does all of that. That's right. Wow. That's right. And when the dog comes back and actually graduates, goes through the training and meets their client, and they go to the client's home for the working life of that dog, Hills ships their dog food to the door. So Hills not only provides all the food that you use here, they are committed to providing food for the entire life of that dog. Working life of that mm-hmm. dog. That's incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What, it a, is what a commitment. Oh. And, they, and they even deliver it. Yeah. Yeah. Shipped UPS. That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, that's w- it's what, unbelievable. what a contribution. And that's just one example. You know, we've got Merrill. Uh, we've got uh, uh, Lions Club, or a big corporate sponsor. They do wonderful things for us. Uh, Kansas State University, I can't say enough about their sponsorship and what they do for us they sponsor fundraising activities and provide uh, vet checks and things like that and are you know if we have a serious issue come up we can call them and they'll have us bring the dogs in and it's just wonderful and adam can talk a little more about the corporate sponsorship but without that we would be in trouble yeah and and imagine the break that is for the puppy raiser not having to buy the food absolutely you know for the client you know that that's a huge thing but more importantly, we just rely on our supporters uh, all over the country. Yeah. You know, the monthly contributions are huge. And none of this could happen without all the pieces of the pie working together. Yeah. So we're blessed. You know, there's Modern uh, Medical Mobility Incorporated, uh, Patterson's, uh, Pottawatomie uh, Tribe in uh, Mayetta, Kansas is a big supporter, corporate sp- uh, sponsor. Uh, Rieger, uh in uh, St. Joe, Missouri, you know, just on and on and on. Uh, and we'd like to have more corporate sponsorships, but we're blessed. Yeah. Well, I tell you what, you guys, um, I get the impression like so many not-for-profits doing amazing work. Um, there's a humility that goes with it, and often you all don't toot your horn as much as you might and and maybe even are a little not as aggressive as some would be in the fundraising so i i just want to absolutely ask you to make a a full-throated no holds barred uh summary for our listeners how how can they get involved and they if they want to um i know just looking on your website there's a button you can click and donate anytime you want bob you mentioned that there's opportunity to just do a monthly contribution that comes right out of your account you talked about the corporate sponsorship um give us a snapshot but i know it goes and adam as you talk about this i know it goes beyond that too we talked about the volunteers you need to come in here and socialize with the puppies you talk about the breeders how how can people be a part of what takes place here sure so uh in terms of fundraising for ksds we accept funds through you know, our online website, we have a donation button in multiple different places on our website. We do have a monthly contribution that you can take right out of your paycheck, um, whether you want to do that via credit card or mail us a check, uh, even bring in cash to us. We allow that any any form of that. Um, 
We also like to participate in a lot of local events. So I know we have upcoming, we have the Kansas State Fair. So we'll be out there throughout the entirety of the length of the fair. So you can certainly stop by our booth, uh, drop off any contributions at that point, or whether it be cash contributions or anything that's on our wish list on our website. Um, I know dog toys, food, um, things for whelping the puppies, which is in the first few weeks of their life, are things that are um, always in need. So we love having those and we love getting those funds. Um, on top of that, we, you know, we just love the the people and the way that they can come out and um, give us assistance in any way possible. So whether that be playing with the puppies or um, helping us to do some of the, the work around the facilities, really anything that, that you would like to do in terms of, in terms of giving us some time and support, um, we'll happily accept from you. Yeah, that's awesome. One thing we do with the local shelter that I'm involved with back home, I assume you guys do this too, you know, estate planning, if somebody wants to mm-hmm. leave a portion of that. Uh, yeah, I'm absolutely. guessing if they wanted to give you a call and find a tax ID number to make that possible, I, we can I, make sus- it happen. I suspect you'd help. <laughs> we can make it happen, yes. I mean, even it, small things like... Uh, who goes shopping anymore? Everyone does it online or through Amazon. So we're part of Amazon Smile. So if you're looking to give back, but you don't necessarily, you can't drive here and donate a meal or something along those lines, even doing something small and simple can add up if we all pitch in just a little bit of money. So those small things I think are what people don't think about. It's funny you mentioned Amazon Smile. Last night I sit on the patio with Jill and we were talking about this and she signed up for that a while ago and mm-hmm. she just got curious and looked in and she just assumed that it was, you know, a millionth of a penny of each dollar and she was expecting it to be 12 cents that had gone this way. Uh, I think it was 86 bucks that had come this way. Mm-hmm. One person, now I won't comment on whether or not that's an indicator of how much has been spent on Amazon back <laughs> home, but, uh, <laughs> You know, that's one person, 86 yeah. bucks, just by simply signing up for Amazon mm-hmm. Smile. And you think if you could multiply that times 50,000, I mean, yeah, mm-hmm. it's awesome. One of the blessings, Scott, we have here, and, and it's, it's huge. None of this would work without volunteers. Yeah, We have absolutely. 15 staff members, just a mm-hmm. few full-time, the rest part-time. But volunteers, puppy raisers are volunteers. Mm-hmm. We have people come in and stuff envelopes for mass mailings. We have people that volunteer to do flowers around the facility. Yeah. Uh, I mean, volunteer, volunteer, volunteer. It's incredible. Yeah. And, and again, just like the support of our area communities, we, we can't say it enough times, thank you, volunteers, because mm-hmm. that's a big deal. Yeah. And uh, without them, we'd be, we wouldn't be here. Yep. We were, as one last comment about our patio conversations looking at the <laughs> website, but as we were going through it and just seeing all that goes on, we kind of had one of those, you know, all the things that occasionally take your faith away in the world today. There's other things you look at and it just restores your faith in spades. Mm-hmm. You know, things, a lot of good people out there and a lot of good things being done. Well, folks, I think, you know, that, that really covers most of what we wanted to talk about on the podcast today. I want to thank you guys for your hospitality, having me out. Thank you for the tour. Um, Thank you for the time you've spent with us on the podcast today. And mostly thanks for what you do and for the passion you bring to it because it's making a huge, huge difference in the quality of life of a lot of people. It's um, 
there's a few truly special places, you know, in America. You think of St. Jude's and Children's Mercy Hospital. And, and to me, I think for folks that have had a chance to be exposed to what really comes out of this in quality of life, I think it's exactly the same level of dynamic. So kudos to all of you. Um, thanks for your hospitality and all that you do. I've really enjoyed the time with you. Yeah, I need to say one more thing, Scott. Yeah, please and do. And that is please thank do. you to our staff. Yeah. Professional, dedicated, uh, loyal. They love our dogs, and it's just a joy to see what they do for KSDS. And also, we're excited about the new CEO, Kelly, mm-hmm. and the new director of marketing, Adam, coming on board. And we think that there's a lot of potential there, and we're going to move to new heights uh, as we move forward. That's so that's awesome. an exciting time for us as well. It is. And I tell you, I'd encourage anybody listening to come in, take the tour, which they do for people gladly anytime. Uh, one tour will sell you on the staff <laughs> and their passion and the pride they take in this place. You can just see it. You can feel it. It's awesome. Well, guys, thank you so much for all your time. It's been wonderful to be with you today here on the BHL podcast. And uh, keep doing what you're doing and look forward to another chance to come visit you all again sometime soon. Thank you. Thank Thank you. Thanks, guys. BHL podcast listeners, thanks for being with us. We'll catch you on the next episode of the podcast.